welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Gravity, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, starring Sandra Bullock and George Clooney. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I am so grateful for Gravity, you know, <laughs> just, um, just as an, a thing that exists. You know, can you imagine floating around like that, Cameron? Uh, yeah. No, that is scary. It's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't know. Whenever I think about this movie, I also simultaneously think about that um that John Mayer song called Gravity. No, no way. <laughs> I, I I literally could not stop singing that when we were watching this movie. Gravity. <laughs> like it's like Juliana was getting so annoyed with me when we were watching it because I just kept like singing that that lick and that's so weird yeah yeah i feel like you know the song you know song's probably much better than this movie uh, i just want to say that maybe um, i don't know but i don't know yeah no i was i was thinking about that because we I, I watched a clip from rogan uh the other day where they were talking about like what happens to you if you take your mask off in space mm. as if anybody really knows right <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah has it ever happened well, they were talking about on the podcast how they have like these depressurized chambers and testing. There, there's environments that simulate the vacuum of space, um, and I that guess the Russians like, like stuffed a person in. Yeah, of course, or yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> something happens with your cells where like they expand rapidly, you become all puffy or something. Mm. Um, it feels like Hollywood never really captures that. Like it's always like cold. And I'm out of breath. That seems to be what space is, you know? Yeah, in, in for Hollywood sure. movies. For um, sure. I feel, I actually think that the movie that outdoes this 2013 space rush era, because I do think there was like a little bit of a love for the outer space movies when CGI was full flex and Call of Duty had the mission in space with the guns, <laughs> uh, which also Call of Duty Ghost came out 2013. And oh. this movie has so much. Call of Duty Ghost in it. I just want to say, <laughs> or maybe Call of Duty Ghost has so much of this movie in it. There's like literally a whole level in that game. It's like the second level where you're like on the International Space Station. I remember it. Yeah, yeah you're shooting you're like people shooting on the people. ISS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I yeah, that's true. I guess they, there was something going on in in entertainment media at this time mm. that was just totally into outer space, and then. Nolan shuts it down with Interstellar, right? It's like no one tries to outdo that because now Interstellar, I feel like, is the staple space travel movie of like that like tens era, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Interstellar was the next year, so it was twenty fourteen. Yeah. Um, I mean, though, you know, to be fair, The Martian was a year after that in twenty fifteen, and that I think I think it won a an Oscar or something for something. Um, best original. No, it didn't win. But I feel um, like it's the Neil deGrasse Tyson era of outer space movies. You know, yeah, in the tens, yeah. where I we mean, got we got all these people on podcasts chatting about how they think they know what's going on in space, and then right, people in right. Hollywood being like, "Oh, we can make that with human drama." But you know, it's I'm like I kind of miss like the science fiction like <laughs> fantasy side, and you know, I think we're getting back into that. With Dune, yeah. that's what I'm gonna. Yeah, I gotta stop. I gotta stop bringing up Dune. I think. Well, I, you know what? I think I think that's fair. Actually, that this 
this era, there was a handful of movies that were um, like realistic space almost mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of the sort of science fiction-y. Um, even Al- Interstellar is kind of science fiction-y with, with what it does. Um, I would say very science fiction-y. But, um, you know, things like The Martian, things like this movie, definitely very, you know, serious. We're, you know, humans going to outer space movies, you know, not not quite as um, far out there as something like 2001 or something like even like, you know, especially Dune or Blade Runner, you know, is very kind of spacey sci-fi. It's not, you know, it doesn't take place in space, but it has that has that that, you know, outer limit of kind of the imagination of what it could be. Hold on a second, though. You you group 2001 in that category, but I kind of feel like the 10s are almost this weird reflection on the cult classic power of 2001. I really do. I actually, I don't really I consider think, 2001 fantasy by any means. Well, I think, uh, well, yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I, I'm thinking more of sort of the, the final sequences right, of 2001, right. which are very, you know, much more fantastical than, than the rest of the movie. And in the same way that Interstellar is, you know, where kind of as it goes further along, it, it drifts further from a, a more, you know, grounded vision of space, um, which is totally fine. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I enjoy that arc. I, I enjoy kind yeah. of the the disperse into the unknown that begins to sort of revel in in some kind of wonder. I think that's that's exciting with outer space. I think those are my favorite sci fi movies. Even if mm. the wonder is like like horrifying in some weird way, I, I think yeah. Alien has that as well. Where sure. you know they're in outer space. It's very sterile, scientific. And then it becomes like this kind of fever dream of an experience. Um, And I think Interstellar has that. And so does 2001. I think 2001 is the OG with that. So, yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah, no, that's that's a good point, because I, you know, when I think of 2001, I mainly kind of have some of the more exciting elements of, you know, like the AI and blah, blah, blah. And, and then him turning into a baby and reaching out for the, you know, stuff like that. But really, you know, it is, it is much more of a straight um, science fiction movie and much more grounded than, than basically anything at the time and kind of up until the modern era. So, well, um, yeah. Yeah. Cause he filmed the moon landing. So, because you filmed the moonlight. Yeah, that's course, true. That's course. that's a good point. No, I um, I just I just to kind of wrap up on two thousand one and the 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 ten era of sci fi movies before we get into the meat of, um, you know what we've been watching and everything like that, and then the movie review itself. But I over time, like two thousand one, like I like I I don't just like that movie. I think I love it, um, <laughs> and it's really weird because. Everyone says the movie's like boring and things mm. like that. But when we first watched it on the podcast, I have this super vivid memory of watching it at my parents' house with my dad, who'd like never watched any of these movies with me. I, I think I was under the weather. Um, and I was kind of like, I don't care. Like, this is going to be a boring movie. And I remember just kind of being taken on this sort of like future land experience that mm-hmm. got weirder and weirder. And that made it more enjoyable. And then revisiting it, I was like, wow, there's like so much, there's so, 
so much about that movie that's like visually impressive, which doesn't make a movie, but it feels kind of like art gallery esque when you're when you're watching it, <laughs> um, where you're like yeah. kind of looking at these different pictures and kind of just scro- like strolling through this museum. I I think one of my favorite parts of the movie that people always forget or don't think about is that like weird moment where they're talking and they're like on the business space station and they're trying to figure out what's going on with that brick out on the moon mm-hmm. uh, the obelisk and the visuals of like the the space station that's kind of round has the rounded floor that's going up and and then them going out to the dig site all of that stuff I was I was into the first time I saw it so um, yeah I'm not going to say that I'm the first one to like 2001 Cameron but you're not so hot <laughs> on the movie are you um, no, I'm not. And I think, I think it's really just the, the process of watching that movie. Yeah, it's yeah. long. Um, it's kind of boring. It's, it's a little bit dry. You know, Kubrick has this way of, um, letting you drift off a little bit, um, sure. when you're watching things. And even, you know, even in the movies that I like of his, he has moments that are very, um, sort of methodical and, you know, his emotions are very, uh, away from you know from the viewer so i think that's that's definitely true with with 2001 and even some of the more um you know radical things that he does towards the end are very um cold in you know in that kubrick way um which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just not always something that i um enjoy i guess and that's but. why everyone should watch Barry Lyndon, the best Kubrick film ever made. So <laughs> uh, it's it's the best version of all of that. So Cameron, have yes. you been watching anything this week before we get into the movie? Nah, I really haven't. Um yeah, I've been pretty um I don't want to say movied out, but I just I just really haven't watched anything. I've been very busy um doing lots of things and then uh, I I go to go to sleep. So <laughs> I get it. I don't, on the grind. I don't have that much time, but I had an opportunity yeah. to force someone to watch Puss in Boots The Last Wish again this <laughs> week. I watched it a second time. I was hanging out with uh-huh. my brother on Thursday and I was like, you know what, dude? Mm. You gotta see this movie, you know? And so I forced him <laughs> and his roommate to like watch it. Um I wasn't quite sure how they felt about it, but I will say that they actually ended up laughing at a lot of moments which kind of solidified my opinions about the movie where i was like it is like actually funny um Mm -hmm. i do think it is a good uh enjoyable viewing and if you like animated movies i highly recommend you check it out um i am refraining myself from being overly excited but i even enjoyed it on my second viewing and um glenn even texted me that's my brother's name glenn um, texted me for my Amazon sign-in to show uh, his fiance the movie as well. So he watched it again. <laughs> so maybe oh. it's just one of those movies where um, you just want to watch it twice after you've seen it. I don't know. Maybe. Um, huge shout out to it. If you enjoy this show, you can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions, throw a couple dollars our way, get some exclusive Patreon benefits like having your questions read on air. Patrons, I'm doing a thing. I'm trying to be on top of it. Uh, where I post every week 
a new weekly post. If you are at a certain Patreon level, you will see you can write your questions underneath there. It tells you what movie we're going to watch. It uh, gives you opportunity to write comments underneath it. So make sure you're doing that if you're a Patreon. If you don't want to, it's all good. But the, I think the questions help the show flow a lot. And uh, I'm not going to manually hunt you down every single week. So if you want <laughs> if you want to have your questions, you should see a post, uh, especially if you have the Patreon app weekly. And you can comment there, have questions read on air. Uh, if you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. You can give us a rating, uh, share the show with friends and family. All that stuff helps our production. We just thank you for your time. We know you could be spending it somewhere else, but we appreciate you being here, uh, hanging out with us for a review. Cameron and I uh, have, I feel like, a very exciting debate this episode. So I don't, I don't really want to hinder it. Let me just give some context. Uh, I am done shilling. But this is the movie, as I was mentioning last week, that I, I truly remember being very frustrated with Cameron. We walked mm. out of the theater in 2013. I think we were uh, freshman year. Did we see it together? School. We did, yeah. I, we, I watched it with you and JD yep. at the Oak Ridge Theater. <laughs> and <laughs> we came out, and I was like, that was like not what I expected. And this was a time where I was way too deep into like internet movie trailers and things like that in 2013. So I felt like I had built a picture in my head with the marketing of like what this movie was going to be. And it didn't really come out that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was like, Oh yeah, Sandra Bullock. Like she's kind of, she's always in good movies and George Clooney's in this movie. I don't even know what he's from, but he seems like a famous person. So I'm sure it's going to be good. (laughs) And uh, we went to see it. I walked out. I was like, I don't quite get it. Cameron was like, Oh, that was, that was an allegory for birth. That was great. And I think JD and I both got really mad because we were like, who allegory? Like, we just want to see a good movie. What are you talking about? You know, we're very young. Of course, Cameron, somehow 10 years older in the brain in freshman (laughs) year, but uh, already having like a deep analysis. So revisiting this movie. um, Yes, of course. Hold on. I will say I I wasn't not to say that I was wrong, because I think that's still sort of true. But I think there's a lot. There's a lot more nuance uh, in that suggestion, uh, but I think that's still kind of the case. Uh, maybe, maybe you just misplaced the word allegory because I feel like there's a better argument for like symbolism in this movie, yeah, yeah than yeah, like for sure. a true. Sure. Like I feel like allegory is a little bit more like structured in some kind of yeah. way. Um, but needless to say, revisiting this movie is not something I ever wanted to do. I didn't like this movie. <laughs> When I, when I saw it. And I don't know why I was so fired up about it. I think re- watching it now, it feels a lot less offensive than it was. Um, <laughs> but I still have some... I still have some beef with this film. Uh, mm. I will not hide from that. So, Cameron, why don't you give us a little bit of context about the movie, the plot, uh, who's in it, why you want to talk about it outside of our history with it. And uh, then we'll take it away. Yeah, well, this was the sort of long-awaited return of Alfonso Cuaron. I think he did. Uh, I think he did Children and Men, and then nothing up until Gravity. So that was like, uh, what is that? Like ten years? 
right? No, not quite. Uh, Children of Men was 2006, so oh, okay. whatever that is, like seven, eight years almost. Love Something Children like that. of Men. Love that. Um, movie. Yeah, me too. And and you know, and I do think of Koran's catalog, Children of Men is absolutely his his best movie. I had head and shoulders above this movie in in many many ways. Um, but to be fair, this is definitely not a bad return to form. Uh, for someone who you know took basically seven years off to make this movie, and you know you have to remember that this was a time where um, you know special effects movies were definitely mainstream. Avengers had come out a couple years before things like that had had come out already. Um, but to make a movie like the, and a- Avatar actually is kind of the the key example of that. Um, but this was a really innovative and and kind of um, you know used a lot of the techniques that Avatar had, had used and made um, a very you know a much less um, art uh, art direction heavy and kind of stylistic. Uh, the way that Avatar is you know a lot depends on sort of the structure of the navi and kind of the 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 design behind that world right and this movie was made really to to purely show a an actual phenomenon and you know something that could could possibly happen it was very grounded in that way much more so than um than something like uh like avatar so i think that really impressed people uh, back at the time, I remember people saying that this was like, oh my gosh, this is the best looking movie ever. I didn't really think so at the time, and I still don't really think so. But it de- it definitely is impressive, and I think um, many of the things that it does, I really like, especially the first like twenty five minutes ish of the movie. I think it, I think not not to say that it loses steam, but but I think the aesthetic of like being lost in space is like kind of um kind of peters out towards towards the end of the movie a little bit um though you know that isn't to say that the the drama or the danger or whatever else does but um i definitely you know i love when you're sort of floating with her and she's you know she's kind of floating away from the ship very early on and it and it goes into her to her helmet and you know you hear her pov and you see her from a pov you know there's something very very interesting about um the way that they they chose to do that and very technical um and and cinematic in that way um and then you know i'll i'll just mention quickly that this was shot by emmanuel lubeski who also shot children and men and uh, is very much so a um a tour de force. I think he, I think he won best cinematography for this year and then best cinematography for Birdman the year afterwards. So, um, he, he was definitely on a roll back in the early, uh, uh, early tens. Um, other than that, yeah, I mean, people, people really loved this movie and I think it was a pretty hot phenomenon though. I will say as as far as like you know cultural iconic moments this definitely didn't have lasting legs in the same way that um uh something like well i don't know i'm trying to think of other movies around this time period but yeah, you know what i mean this i don't think this is in like the conversation for 
for like leaving a cultural impact, I guess. Well, I also um, think the director has less of a conversation going around his movies at this current moment. Yeah, like, right now. Since Roma, I mean, he hasn't made a movie since Roma. So Yeah, but even Roma, like, okay. I consider myself more outside of that cinema critic space, but I do think that there was a lot of conversation or, or, or there wasn't as much conversation around Roma as maybe some of the directors this same year who have continued up until this time creating movies. Right. Um, like we talked about uh, enemy and I know prisoners was talked about uh, from this year and Villeneuve is discussed almost on every episode of this show. It feels <laughs> like, and if we're talking about it that much, I'm assuming um, he is more in the public eye than, um, than I guess, you know, this director's movies and, Therefore, like movies resurface from 2013 and like his work resurfaces. Oh, Sicario, you know, prisoners, all that stuff. Whereas I don't see a lot of people talking about gravity anymore because I don't know if this director has the same following. Um, I'd see more reference to children of men on this, on like the YouTube space or the TikTok space when people are talking about movies. Um, but that is, usually related to like hidden gems that you haven't watched that are super good. Um, I don't, I don't remember the last time I saw anybody talk about gravity. Um, and I think you're right with, in saying that like it doesn't have legs to stand on because yeah, maybe it is one of those movies that was like a CGI feat. What's weird is that when I watched it in 2013, I don't remember appreciating any of that with this movie. Um, I just remember being frustrated that the story felt, um, gypped when the opening was so strong Mm -hmm. and the emotional payoffs towards the end of this movie to my immature high school brain. I like, I didn't care about those things when I was watching this movie, I was excited about the surviving in space thing. And there's a moment in this film where like the surviving in space thing kind of gets forgotten about. Um, I think due to its runtime and kind of how much you can really do with that sort of setting. um, It's good that it kind of ended quickly. It's a 90 minute movie, which um, Cameron and I both love that. Right. Yes. I just, when I, immaturely watched it i was like i want to see like her on a bigger adventure like i want her to run into the the chinese astronaut i want her to try to go to the different space station Uh, i want to see more of this like journey and instead we get a weird scene where they're talking on a radio or something like that and barking like a dog and she's tripping out and her oxygen's at zero percent for like 40 minutes or something (laughs) Um, and so I remember just being like, well, this doesn't make sense. And, uh, also like running from fire in space is kind of stupid. And I just remember thinking like, I remember being like in that cinema sins mindset in 2013. Um, and I don't know if I can really blame myself for thinking that way, but even on this second viewing, um, instead I was, I was faced with like, wow, like this opening scene is fantastic. It doesn't like 
weight at all. Like it just gets right into like what you remember about this movie. Um, and then where is it supposed to go after that? Like as soon as, well, I guess, you know, spoilers, right? <laughs> as soon as, uh, some of the characters go away, you could say, um, then like it tries to do this thing about like, I don't know, like symbolic rebirth, you know, coming back to reality, choosing life instead of, you know, accepting impending doom. Um, I think most of that stuff flew over my head when I was watching it the first time. Mm -hmm. On the second time, I was like, did you really, like, did you really earn this? Did you really need to, like, go in this direction? Um, there are moments of this movie that feel obnoxiously like into itself uh, when rewatching it. And I had, I like kind of caught myself being like, what is this? Like, I thought we were just doing one of those space movies, you know, even <laughs> on the second viewing. And the whole time I'm thinking about, you know, what you were saying, like when we first watched it, I think, oh, this is an allegory. So I'm trying to piece together this allegory. I'm like, okay, the allegory doesn't make sense. I think Cameron was a little dumb back then too. And I was like, but I'm I'm seeing some symbolism for birth and stuff. You know, like I, I'm kind of putting this together. I think the message of the film around like choosing life and stuff, I'm like, this is, yeah, this is good. This is true. But I don't, I, th I thought it was a little unnecessary. And it also feels like all that stuff sneaks in pretty heavy towards the end where it's like just sort of hinted at in the middle uh, and you're kind of wrapped up in the adventure side of it as an audience member uh, and then it all kind of like piles that in at the end and it kind of leaves you just feeling like okay you know at the end of the movie that was my experience on the second viewing although I did feel more impressed with some of the visual elements and like the way that the movie kind of puts you on a roller coaster mm -hmm. at the very beginning. Um, Cameron, what, what did you think your second viewing? Um, yeah, I, I liked it the second time and I, I was, um, I can't, I guess I kind of had the opposite, um, reaction to you where I, um, paid attention a little bit less to some of the symbolic things. And I, I enjoyed the um, the sort of the action, the pacing, the storytelling, um, the very the sim simplicity of the movie, um, and I just enjoyed that for for what it was, and it was very, um, it it was very enjoyable, and I like how it's constructed. I think for me, you know, it's weird to say because this movie is only ninety minutes long, but I think the I think it stays a little too long. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird saying that. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. I totally but agree. I, th but I kind of, you kind of get a little tired of, of the whole, the whole shtick by the like third quarter maybe. And then yep. when she's when you know, when she's in the pod and there's the, you know, there's the fire and, you know, they're going through the re-entry, you know, all that's really, really cool and exhilarating and, um, you know, and then when she lands, she, you know, she lands underwater and stuff, you know, so that stuff is all, is all good. And I, I enjoy that, but I think, I think kind of maybe a little over halfway, it starts to get a little bit tiresome, 
but even then, you know, when it when you start when you start to float away a little bit, you do get pulled back. You know, no pun intended. Um, you do get pulled back by certain certain elements. Like I was really impressed, and I had totally forgotten about this moment. But I was really impressed with the moment where George Clooney's character comes back. You know, she's she's turned off the oxygen. Um, she's you know she's winding down. She's given up basically, and George Clooney's character comes back and and kind of coaxes her back to um to to into survival um and i think that was a great like it was a great storytelling beat in that you do want last moment you want sort of final words with george clooney's character right you don't get that um he just kind of drifts off and so you do you narratively you want that a bit and then at the same time you know it's it's a very um, it's a great narrative moment for her as she's, you know, this is the, um, the dark night of the soul is what, what it's called. It's, you know, that, that pl- part in, in the hero's journey where, you know, all hope is lost. Basically everyone has abandoned her. Everyone is, you know, there's, there's basically no way that she can survive this. Um, and so she's given up and then, you know, in according to the classic hero's journey, um, she is helped by uh, by you know the mentor, and is kind of given that final word. And usually, it is in the form of um, of like a a vision, or um, you know, th- think of like uh, Ben Kenobi or something like that, who is you know speaking to Luke in in the the kind of the headspace or whatever. Um, you know that kind of thing, and so this this really fits in with that, and I think I think it does a an excellent job of using that um, to its advantage. And then at the end of that, um, she pulls through, and she's able to to uh, go through at the at the final, you know, the hero's journey. The one thing I will say it it doesn't follow it exactly because we don't get to see the call, and I think that might have been better. I think. I think if we had seen her pre I'm sure they thought about this and there's a reason why they didn't, but if we saw her pre going into space, um, there would be a little more investment to get her back to earth. Right. Don't yeah. No, I, I definitely think that movie, the, the, the movie is like missing that entire intro sequence. Although I do enjoy the balls that it has to just kind of start. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a cool opening moment where you're trying to work out like what they're saying uh, as they're like conversing and chatting and all that. Um, but I do agree. I feel like like George Clooney's character, you really love the charm that he yeah. has. And you kind of want more time with him anyways. So it's like if we could have had more time like on base before they launched, like kind of would have been cool with it it's just like how do you do like the whole launch sequence and i don't know like there there could have been a way to get it quicker but i'm not i'm not entirely sure like yeah i i feel like it would almost make revisiting the movie more boring i don't know i'm i'm mixed if i would want that or not Um, yeah but I do. Oh, it's think hard to say, and like I said, or like you said, it's a it it is kind of um, 
a ballsy move to just kind of start and jump into the action and it keeps it very tight. And so I'm, I'm totally happy with that. But, but I think, you know, character wise, if we're really thinking about this in the structure of, um, you know, a hero's journey, we're missing a little bit of the buy-in from, from like having, having a normal, normal life. And then, you know, uh, getting called out of that normal life and, and rejecting the call and then coming, coming to, you know, to go after the call, which is something very common in movies like this, where it's, it's kind of a straight, this is almost a straight like adventure movie or a, you know, hero's journey type movie. So, um, you know, that is missing if we're kind of thinking about it on, on those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about kind of, for reference how well or how 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 i think first man is kind of a comparable movie to this one Mm -hmm. dealing with similar themes even like the loss of a child being a primary um kind of plot point right to the character's own grief and what he's dealing with and um just i i don't know i Somehow First Man was able to win me over emotionally where this movie kind of felt like it didn't care if it won me over emotionally. It was just going to go and assume that I was into it from the beginning uh, on the emotional beats. Because I think the action side, you're invested. You don't want these people to die. They have enough charisma to sort of make you invested in their survival um but outside of that like when they start talking about their life back home and things like that it's i don't know i i didn't really like fall in love in the characters or with the characters in that in that sort of way or i just didn't have enough time to i was almost there Mm -hmm. uh, but i didn't link with that and yeah and uh, it's i think like, I really do agree with you, Cameron, when you're like, it overstays its welcome, but it's, like, so short already. I know, like, That's yeah. not a good thing. <laughs> like, I, I really feel like it should, we shouldn't be saying that about this movie because it is short. It's like, yeah, they, they, they spent too much time on some things that were kind of strange. Like, the, the scene with the beautiful dancing scene of her spinning like with the umbilical cord and all that um the symbolism you know wow but it like really stays on that for a long time like it's the scene is probably like three minutes and it's like all right you know like we could have maybe could have done shorter with some of this stuff and i would have liked to see some things before um but i do think maybe the film i maybe the people who enjoyed what they saw like would enjoy a second rewatching because you already have that like preconceived like connection to the characters in some kind of way this movie kind of feels like maybe it was it was made to sort of like repeat in some kind of interesting way you know like have you ever listened to a song that like loops perfectly so it kind of just keeps going over and over again and you're like i enjoyed that i i don't mind that it like kind of loops um 
this movie has the hero's journey and it closes up full circle and maybe that's like what's all that some people needed and they'll revisit it and they'll find some more depth and they'll revisit it and they'll start really considering the the beauty of being alive and all that stuff and wow you know um on my second viewing i was like boy this movie really thinks it's profound but it doesn't know like the next 10 years of movies and <laughs> i i know that's like that's a pretty harsh criticism but i i do think that there are moments in this film where they're like we're really we're really making a profound movie and i don't think history sees gravity as that anymore uh, if it did it was quickly forgotten um even to yeah. think about like cuz we had um what like 12 years of slave on on the list. I don't know if we're going to get around to watching that next week. Um, 12 years a slave. Again, maybe I'm not in the circles, the cinema, the cinema circles as much, but I feel like I don't hear people talking about that movie. And that was supposed to be like the greatest thing ever made when it came out. Right. Um, well, I mean, it's just a hard, <laughs> it's just, that's a hard movie, you know, to want to talk about. Well, I haven't seen, I haven't seen it. So I yeah. really don't know. But it's just it's brutal. It's kind of it's very somber. It doesn't, you know, doesn't make you want to to relive it all, all the time. Sure. Where, whereas sure. this this movie, I think, you know, the 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 action and the the sort of tension of it, um, I think definitely could captivate people a little bit more. Uh, maybe not more. I don't you know, don't want to compare it necessarily, but you know this movie is is one of those ones where where it's it's very simple um it has one objective uh and it does it quite well um and so i'm not really sure why it doesn't it doesn't it, or it hasn't stuck around all that often maybe people got tired of talking about it to be honest hmm. i think that's kind of what happened cuz there was a big there was an oscar push for it there was a big conversation around it um I think people maybe just just wore out its its welcome a little bit, um, and it just needs a little bit more time to. <laughs> well, I think the movie should have leaned more simple. That's kind of my biggest critique for it. It should have been even more popcorn dumb, and instead they kind of <laughs> they kind of like they like kind of like shoehorn in these like oh the meaning of life and despair and don't give up and you know, rebirth and spirituality, but not spirituality, you know, like this whole like thing where I, I just, I felt like when the credits rolled, I'm like, yeah, I just could have, I just could have done without some of that stuff. And maybe it added depth, but it made me kind of just roll my eyes for like the conversation of reading into this, this film and its meaning. And I'm sitting back saying like, it really should have just been dumb and like fun <laughs> And that's those are its best moments too, like mm -hmm. when it is dumb and fun. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's done well though. A, a lot of the um, the ways that it handles that that kind of you know the more um, symbolic elements, especially the stuff about um, uh, about life and about survival. I think there's something. Um, there's something interesting about it. And, and, you know, along with my revision of saying it's, it's not necessarily a, an allegory for, for 
birth, I don't think. I think it's I think it's more about sort of the um the hardships and struggles of of life, especially of of being a mother or of being um, you know, maybe a woman. I th- I think I think that's probably more about what what you know more closely about what it is, um, if that makes sense. Not necessarily about about you know giving birth, but definitely about being a being a mother. I think um, so. the men in your life just get pulverized by asteroid bits, or they float off into the great it's unknown. True. Every man leaves you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. I I mean, cool. Good on the movie for putting it in there. I just... um, Actually, the movie I was thinking about that was from this era... What was that film called? Like, Apollo 13, I think? Like... That was before this. But, oh, okay. Yeah. Like some horror like movie on the moon. And I was oh, like... Oh, oh, sorry. Apollo 13 is the movie where they um, they go to the moon or whatever. And then it, you know, there's like a disaster or whatever. Right? Is that the one you're thinking of? Or I is think it so. The, or is it the, <laughs> the one where there's like aliens on the moon I, or whatever? I think it's the aliens one. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. That's... I don't know what that is. Is that Apollo 18? That's Apollo 18. Yes, <laughs> Apollo 18. Uh, yeah, yeah, here we go. I've never seen this. Uh, I mean, it's got a 24 on Metacritic, so. Uh, oh, yeah, look at that. The tagline is, there's a reason we've never gone back to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man, boy. look at this spider-looking thing. <laughs> Yikes. That is... Moon spiders. Oh my goodness. Is that what the movie's about? Moon spiders? The visual the visual cover of this movie I remember a lot. Mm. I don't know if you can see it. Yeah, it's the one where the face is in the face. No, no, no. It's like the astronaut being like dragged into the darkness or whatever. Man, those those old astronaut suits are so cool though. Um, shout out to this movie's astronaut suits. I think they do a good job with it. Yeah. She has like the different, like, I think she has a French outfit at one Um, point. Russian maybe? I don't know. Something. Russian, French, something. Or China. I don't know. One of, one of the asteroid, one of the, one of the, she has like a tan suit that like switches and kind of like I think that's her Russian suit, but yeah. Um, a little bit of a switch up. No, this movie is, uh, this movie is probably terrible, but I was kind of like. Yeah, like you know, we should we should kind of like do an ad- adventure thing with I I don't know. I don't know why gravity does not click with me. Mm. Um and that's fine. Like sometimes I I actually feel like science fiction is a genre that's pretty difficult for it to like hit the spot for me. When mm. I first saw Interstellar, it didn't satisfy me. I went through some phase in high school where I was like, I love science fiction. And I started watching a bunch of science fiction stuff and realized it's kind of boring or (laughs) there's a lot of things that like aren't adventurous in the way that like I was expecting similar to star Wars. Like when I would watch like star Trek stuff with my dad, I was like, this is very like, I'm into it, but it's a lot slower than I expected, you know? 
Now, um, here's a movie that um, if we're talking about <laughs> things that are that are much more overly uh, overly heady and kind of, you know, lose lose the plot a little bit. There's a movie called Ad Astra that came out a couple years ago with Brad. Oh, Pitt. I've heard about this. Yeah. Um, I probably talked about it with you yeah, a little yeah. bit, but um, I did not like this movie at all. And it was weird because it's kind of a movie that that I should like. You know, it's a it's a it's like an action ish movie. There's some, you know, and then there's like the the philosophical things, and he's like he's going out to space to find his dad, who's like you know who was like one of the pioneers of space exploration and, you know, hasn't been heard from again or blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, there's a, there's a moment, there's a scene in this movie where there's like, there's these kind of pirates who are on the moon and they like run them down in, in like moon rovers and I was like, "Wow! I just want this whole movie to be about this." And then they, and then they leave. It's like a five-minute sequence, and they leave, and they never talk about the Moon Pirates, you know. And it was so cool. And I was like, "Wow! The rest of this movie is just going to be so boring because this Moon Pirate sequence was cool, and uh, and we're never going to get that again." <laughs> so like, yeah, I think sometimes I, think I see that. I think I see the scene that you're talking about just in the screenshots. Yeah. Cause, but so look, what I what I was gonna say is like sometimes sci-fi movies do that, where they leave you being like, "Wow, that one thing was was so cool that I I really wish the whole movie was about that one thing." <laughs> you know what I mean? Why does this article say Ad Astra is a great sci-fi because it put Applebee's on the moon? What are you talking there, about? Yeah, there. Well, that that's the thing is like there's a moon colony. And so there's like, there's like moon restaurants. I think. Freaking I do Polygon, dude. <laughs> Why? What is this article? What the heck? <laughs> Ad Astra is a great sci-fi because it put Applebee's on the moon. That's why it's great. <laughs> there wasn't any other reason. Nope. Um, yeah. So. I 100% agree with you. I think the difficulty about sci-fi movies is that you'll see something you love and then they totally walk away from it pretty quickly. Yeah. And that happens very often in sci-fi. And that's why it feels like sci-fis are always like that stuck in that seven out of 10 space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because you watch a movie like, Prometheus, which I have not seen, but it seemed like some people enjoyed some visual elements or things that reminded them of Alien, and it's clicking for one second, and then after that, it's all over the place, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, for me, in Interstellar, I think that entire sequence with the planet and the waves and the black hole bit like right after, like that's like the sweet spot where I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm in love with this movie. And it's and kind of I, near the climax too. Right. You yeah. Know, it's like, that's the big culminating moments of the, of the movie too. So, yeah. And the rest of the film, like around the outside, you don't really get to appreciate it 
on your first viewing because you're in love with that moment that you think like it's ramping up and it's like such a highlight moment in your viewing in that mo in, in, in the time that you're sitting there watching. And then it does that like sci-fi gear shift and you're like, what? Like, mm-hmm. I don't quite like understand. Um, and maybe that, and why we open the conversation around like 2001, maybe that's why I enjoy it is because it was the first time for me where the gear shifts um, were kind of predicated on a boredom. And I know that's a, like, that's a weird, like you laugh. I knew I was going to make you laugh, but um, it's kind of like it, it always stays a little too long in the space until you're bored and then it shifts. Yeah. Whereas so many sci-fi movies feel like they're just getting good and then they'll gear shift. Um, And you're like, why? Like I was actually, I wasn't fully bored of that moment. And so there's something always off. Um, I think that, I think we should open up a conversation about sci-fi because we've, we've talked a little bit about sci-fi here. I have nothing else to say about gravity, Cameron. Um, <laughs> do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, not really. I mean, I think I think it's good. I think the movie is good. Really, it doesn't need to be. You know, it doesn't. It's it's just a fine action. You know, thriller in space. Good setting. Good cinematography. The action is cool. Uh. Sandra Bullock spinning through the depths of space. That's cool. You know, it's, it's just nice. It's a good, it's a good time. It's only 90 minutes. What, changing, you know, what is there to complain about? <laughs> I'm changing my score from the worst thing I've ever seen to, yeah, it's okay. So uh, if you want to yeah. watch it, that's where I'm at with it. Yeah. Um, although I'd probably take Cameron's word over my own. So sci-fi. Cameron, yes. Talking about the gear shifts. Mm-hmm. What movie do you think either does the gear shifts just right or breaks my um, kind of rule? And I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really lean into the the fantasy realm because I kind of feel like fantasy sci-fi, like the sci-fi setting, is less. Like, it's more of like a, um, I don't know, it's just different. I used to not know the difference, and now it's like the fantasy <laughs> thing is more like dystopian. Well, here's the thing. Kinda. Here's the one that I, I think of when we're talking about, I don't know, I don't know if you want to call it a gear shift, but, but it really, th- this is a movie that goes from being like a nice movie, pretty cool, to being like, Oh my goodness, this is like incredible. I think I think that movie is Arrival. Um and I think mm. it does it perfectly where it you know, there's a revelation at the end of that movie where it, you rethink the rest of the movie, you th- rethink of how you think of movies, you th- you know, there's like this this whole sort of restructuring of how you how you think about things and I I just I think that movie does it does it so so well. Though to be fair, this it's more of a fantasy movie than a, is it? 
Is that on the uh, fantasy side of things? Yeah, I, I, w- I would consider it kind of more sci-fi. Okay. I think what's interesting about like true sci-fi, surprisingly, actually, I have a little bit of schooling related to this when it comes mm. to cinema. <laughs> the one film class I took in school was related to um, horror and sci-fi, how those two things link, mm-hmm. and it kind of like dives into the the discovery of the unknown and the pursuit of like knowledge and how that affects a group of people that do that. And so you, you kind of get these weird books like in the heart of the sea or, or like, like I remember the sci-fi thing covered a lot of like King Kong, which I was like, is this really sci-fi? But it kind of had more to do with like, um, posing like some kind of like philosophical question or i love when frankenstein is discussed as a sci-fi story Mm -hmm. um or or like kind of the perfect blend of sci-fi and horror because it's like well people think it's about the green guy stomping around but really it's about like scientific discovery pushing the boundaries so far that it creates a nightmare right right right. yeah Um, the dangers of of um you know pushing pushing technology to a point you know yeah for right sure. and so when i think about movies that i'm like this is like flawless sci-fi think of like a movie like alien where it's kind of sterile and they're tapping into something that they shouldn't be tapping into i actually think alien has a similar um like kind of sci-fi structure as like the mummy although the mummy is a lot goofier and a lot mm-hmm. more like adventurous but there's something that like kind of strings between those two movies where it's like discovery of the unknown um resulting in like some kind of exciting tragedy or escape mm. um what about the thing <laughs> of course of course i'm thinking about the thing yeah the thing is even Deeper than that, though. I yeah, think. <laughs> I because <laughs> it it begins to veer into this like political or more like sociology space. Um, well, yeah, deep. it's I mean it's philosophical about sort of the the nature of man and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the dumbed down version of that is Predator, but it's more. <laughs> <laughs> action, action, uh, heavy and fun. Right? A little bit though. Predator, I think Predator is a much more, um, uh, it's a much more positive view of humanity <laughs> than the thing yeah. is. Yeah, you know, the like Predator is, is almost like a will to live, a will to survive. We will be the the greatest hunters, you know. It doesn't matter how much technology you have. We beat you with stick, you know, like that kind of thing. But <laughs> we beat you with stick. <laughs> but uh. but the thing is, very. I think it's a much more skeptical movie about humans, about mm. trustworthiness, about what we do when we're when we're put in a situation where we can't trust one another. Um, much more skeptical, I think. Um, and even further, we were talking about, uh, children of men. I feel like the dystopian sci-fi thing, although it has a different palette, 
mm-hmm. I think it's still leaning into that same like question of like pose like it's like posing that kind of like you know the the main plot point driving it is is focused around um like in infertility and what humanity would do with something like that yeah you know we only have four more years till uh till we all become infertile apparently oh great <laughs> that's just great um what where what where where did that come from? Are you just talking about the movie set place and uh Yeah, it takes place in 2027. Oh. Isn't that crazy? That movie's going to be 20 years old in only 3 years. So good. Yeah. I think about the car camera thing all the time. It's awesome. We did that episode. Have you seen that rig how they rig it up? It's crazy. Yeah, I looked it up. I looked it up. Yeah. yeah. Um well, you know, the one thing that I will say, and here's my critique of your critique, Isaac, of gravity. We're talking about all these movies. We're talking about how um, movies like The Thing, movies like Children of Men, um, you know, these movies can can introduce interesting ideas of philosophy, of you know, these these concepts, these moral concepts of right and wrong, things like that. Um, and then when it comes to gravity, you're like, ah, oh, just make dumb space movie. <laughs> but isn't isn't what you want in some ways a little bit of a smarter space movie? Yeah, and I think that's that's why I was like, okay, I do want that why did I want this movie to just be dumb? Mm. Right. And that's where I kind of came up with this analogy around like gear shifts. Like, okay, maybe it just didn't shift the gears. Right. But furthermore, I don't know if what it's saying is really all that profound in my opinion. And maybe that's just me like not connecting with the movie. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, I I like a hero's journey is something I think individuals go through on a small scale um pretty frequently, right? And I think that's what makes that that story arc so relatable. Um when you watch a movie like Lord of the Rings and suddenly you have this weird nostalgic feeling towards the end of the movie. Um, and it's like, well, I, ne- I never went to Mordor and back, but in some weird way, I had this experience where I left home, I came back. I'm not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. And that really clicked with me. Right. Yeah. This film. I'm not sure why I couldn't, relate with the hero's journey in the same way you know and i think maybe what you were saying about having including that opening scene could have closed a loop for me um where it's like if i had if i had been with them at the start but it feels like halfway through Mm -hmm. a hero's journey i i think that you're right this movie is extremely minimalist it's like a minimalist hero journey hero's journey so from that perspective you could really um i guess analyze it but 
I just... It is, like, it's the minimalist hero's journey, and then what is it trying to say that's deep? Like, I choose life, you know? I choose not to be stuck. I'm gonna finish the hero's journey. Well, it's like... Yeah, I mean... I don't know, like... In a weird way, her choice is kind of... Like, it is a choice, but she feels pretty out of control of well, her entire yeah. situation, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's... I, I'm i not sure why I clicked with it. I could see why some people might um, mm-hmm. click with it. But... Does that kind of make sense, what I'm saying? Um... Yeah, I guess so. I think, yeah. I understand I what you're saying. But, but I, you know, here's the... Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think you may be right that there's, there's something a little too minimalist about it. Um, but even then, I, I do kind of appreciate that about it too. So, you know, I don't have that many complaints about the movie. I like that it is a little minimalist. I like that it has a simple kind of story. I like, I like that it follows a hero's journey in that way. Um, pretty closely would i have maybe connected more if there was you know an earlier moment of the hero's journey you know you th- think about something like um like silence of the lambs right mm. um yeah. you know you get to see clarice kind of before a little bit you know she's taken out of of her normal role and then immediately thrust into an active role of interviewing um uh in interviewing Hannibal Lecter, you know, so she's thrown into the pit and then there's that moment of, of not wanting to, to actually go there. But, but it's a really small scene of just her and Jack, um, kind of having this interaction. And that, I think that does connect you a little bit to her, um, more than if you, if it just opened with her conversation with Hannibal. So, did you feel like you connected with Sandra Bullock's character? Um, because I I think she isn't the most likable character in this movie. Well, and no, not she's sh- not. George Clooney's character is the most likable character, but I think I think that might be on purpose a little bit. Um. But I, but I connected with her in that way of, you know, you're doing something impossible that you've never done before, and the temptation is to just kind of call it quits, right? This is as far as I've gone. I'm proud of myself. All right, that's it, you know. But you haven't finished the goal, right? You know, so there, there are definitely things that I, I think thematically, um, appreciate about that character. But I don't. But she she's not really given a lot to connect with, right? Yeah, I think they're trying to go for that like surrogate character that you kind of like put yourself. Yeah, like almost like the Link in Legend of Zelda. You know, Link as a character like doesn't say too much. You're kind of pulled on that journey, um, and you know, 
just to, I think about like, when I think about Hero's Journey, I'm like, okay, like Lord of the Rings or, you know, Star Wars even, like Luke Skywalker isn't your favorite. It's always Han Solo, right? And so George Clooney's kind of like the Han Solo. But there's something about like Luke or Frodo or even um, uh, what were you just talking about? Silence of the Lambs. Um, there's something about the lead that that has a little more than what Sandra Bullock's bringing in mm-hmm. this this movie. There's something that you kind of like latch on to. I don't know if it's like this, if it's like a bravery or if there's something like, I don't know when I was watching it with Jules, she was like, boy, she sucks at being an astronaut. Like well, she's she not, said, a, she's not an astronaut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but she's like, she was just like, man, like she she sucks. Like that's that was just her response to her character in the movie, and and I was like, um, uh, I I was just like, <laughs> I I don't disagree with you. I don't know why I don't disagree with you. Like I'm I guess I'm trying to like buy in. Um, well, she but that's kind of the thing is she's thrown into a situation where. You know, there are people around her who are better at the job than she is, but she's there for a specific role, right? Um, you know, and so she, no, she's not the best astronaut, but she is doing, you know, she's the expert at, you know, whatever piece of equipment or technology or something that she's, you know, she's there to install. Um, and that's that. And and you can kind of tell right off the bat that, uh, you know, George Clooney's flying around. He's, you know, doing all sorts of fun stuff at the beginning. Um, you know, and she's not, she's not really the one who's, um, who's there to do that. She's kind of, um, she's the cargo of the mission. She's, you know, when you're, when you're playing a video game and, and you've got the, uh, the, what are those missions called where you're an uh, escort mission? She's the escort oh, mission. <laughs> Everyone's favorite character in yeah. the escort. Yeah. I don't know. I, I found myself kind of mixed on her character. I was like, at moments, I was like, yes, I'm bought in. Other moments, I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I. Yeah, this, this film has definitely went up in my respect and enjoyment. Um, I think there's something about the gear shifts in sci-fi. This the 2013. I was like genuinely let down by what felt like every single, every single sci-fi movie I watched. I was like, I don't get it. In 2013, with me, yeah, uh, just that era, like oh. my whole high school time. Oh, um, sure. I wasn't, I wasn't like clicking with sci-fi the way that I thought I was supposed to be, like enjoying it. And I think it rooted in a place of like wa- my dad, like showing me old ones, like. Um, he's like, oh, you got to watch Alien. And I was like, okay, this is awesome. And he made me watch Stargate, which I don't even know if that's a good movie, but it did win me over somehow. Um, I was, I love Stargate. Which one, the I Kurt saw. Russell one? Yeah, 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 the old one. Well, um, have you seen that? No, I haven't, but it's not that old. It's like 1994. Well, it felt old when I watched it. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I, 
might be I'm probably biased uh, re watching this as well um, but I I would say this movie has some good points in its action and it won it won me over in in some areas and in others still remain kind of eh. mm. so well I think that's okay and this this was a good conversation to to tease that out a little bit um, and yeah, I feel like I feel like I could definitely close the book on this movie. I don't know that I could like glean any more things from it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is fine, which is totally fine. I I enjoyed it for what it is, but yeah. Yeah. Well, good. 90 minutes and under a 90 minute review. Can you imagine if you reviewed this movie for like 4 hours? <laughs> what 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 more did you need to talk about with it? Right? Yeah, I don't know. All right, Cameron, next week, what are we watching? We are watching The Wolf of Wall Street next week. Because that's what you said you wanted to watch, okay? And I don't want to watch 12 Years a Slave again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should watch like just like painful movies to sit through. Uh, oh, like, I've got a whole list I, of those. If you want to go, no, no, no but I'm talking about like genuinely like good but painful. Like you know, yeah, I know. I have the, a whole Twelve lot of Years movies. a Slave. I've never seen Passion of the Christ. Really? I've never seen. Uh, I've never seen Schindler's List. Oh, uh, wow. okay. so we can just get real depressed real fast. Sure. Yeah. Well, um, oh man, there's a lot. I think I feel like there's a lot to say about movies that are painful to watch, but you know, you feel better that you have seen them, you know, stuff like that, where it's like, it's like, ah, you know, this was very difficult, but, but I'm glad that I watched it. <laughs> I'm a better person because of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. You, you really haven't seen Passion of the Christ? No. I'm a little surprised only, you know, because of our background, I, w I would have thought, um, you didn't watch it every year in class. <laughs> Cameron, I didn't go to Christian private school. I know you didn't, but I don't know what to tell you. Um, I'm trying to think of the movies they made me watch: Goodwill Hunting. Oh, okay. Uh, Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, that's good. I think I'm trying to think of the other ones. Uh, there's a lot of forgettable movies that I had to watch, and I did have to watch. The In the Heart of the Sea movie. I'm watching that and being like, whoa. Um, and the 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 gangster version of Romeo and Juliet. And the gangster yeah. or modern warfare version of Hamlet. I think I remember that. <laughs> you remember this? Wait, Have you what? seen that? Yeah, what is that Hamlet movie? Um, uh, Hamlet. Well, movie. Romeo plus Juliet is the Boz Lerman one. Yeah, I did like yeah, that yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. I I thought that was that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, Hamlet movie. Let's see. It might have not been the war one. Hamlet, nineteen ninety six. No. Hamlet two sixty nine. Was it this one? Oh gosh. Oh gosh, no. Um, let's see. Are you talking about uh Men of Respect, which is a version of Macbeth? 
you know what? I think I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> not Hamlet. Not Hamlet. Yeah. Not Hamlet. But that movie. Okay, interesting. A 1990 crime film, an adaptation of William Shakespeare's play Macbeth. They they made you watch that in school? I don't I don't know actually. There was a Macbeth movie that was like kind of Macbeth uh, movie modern. Maybe it was the television based one. No, that was not it. Well, I don't know if I'm ever going to find this. Yeah, some strange movies they made me watch. Mm. But, um, I did like, uh, No, no, I I can't remember what it was called. It was probably just the Romeo plus Juliet one. Yeah, that I remember. It's pretty common. Though, actually, the most the most horrifying movie that they forced me to watch in school was the Beowulf movie. <laughs> <laughs> the CGI. Gosh, I just I remember thinking, why, why are we watching this? Yeah, this I is never. So weird. I never saw that, but. Just looking, I ju- I've seen the screenshots from it, and it does not look so good. Does not hold up, I would say. Um, yeah, something genuinely horrifying about it, which you know is fitting for the story as well. Mm. But yeah, it's. Uh, I'm I'm gonna watch Stargate. I gotta work. I gotta rewatch Stargate. <laughs> I'm sure it's dumb. I'm sure it's dumb, but that's what I'm looking for. You know what's weird about Beowulf is it looks like. You know those pop-up ads that you get for, like, Age of Dragons, Legends, you know, and it's got, like, a card game element to it? That's what what Beowulf looks like nowadays. (laughs) Oh, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty whack. That's a Zemeckis movie, okay? He goes from Back to the Future, a literal perfect movie, to Beowulf. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like there's something there, um, because I was genuinely disturbed by the film, and it wasn't just the animation style. There's something about that movie that is true to the source material, um. And it reminded me, actually, of the Northmen. Northmen. Mm-hmm. Um, it had something like something close to that for me. So, yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Okay, next week, Wolf of Wall Street. Here we go. It's gonna be an interesting conversation. <laughs> I'm sure, it's gonna be just mighty vulgar. <laughs> migraine but, well you know, know it is it's, a Scorsese movie so there I'm sure you know I haven't oh. seen it since it since it came out so I have faith I have faith in Scorsese I think um like I was saying last week there when when this movie first came out people were treating it like a comedy which did not make any sense to me this movie is not a comedy it's not funny it's hmm. very disturbing but you know, 
I feel like there's something about this movie that has like the alpha male love. Yeah. Kind of like American Psycho, which I have not seen, which I do hear is a funny movie and I really want to watch it. Um, American Psycho is, is a par- it's a parody of that alpha male braggadocio, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like American Psycho is going to be more my speed. Um, Maybe. Than this movie. But we will see. We will see. And um, talking about financial, you know, white collar people, I want to watch The Big Short. Oh, I'd I like need to that see movie that movie. That I need to see that one. And there's also um, there's another one. There's another like baseball movie that I want to watch. Moneyball. Moneyball's great. Yeah, I, wa- I want to watch Moneyball. It's too. really those good. Those two are like those are like boring movies. I need to get around to because I'm sure they're not boring. It's like it. I was thinking about this because I was thinking about we had. I talked about um, last week the Hugh Jackman movie on Long Island, the school director. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that movie called? Uh, bad Education. Remember. Yeah, Bad Education, right? Like, Bad Education is one of those movies that's like, oh, okay, it's kind of a boring movie, but, like, you really get into it. Yeah. I feel like Moneyball and The Big Short, like, both of those are, like, things that I could see myself really enjoying. <laughs> yeah, sort of. The Big Short, see, man, we could we could talk about The Big Short for a long time, but um, they did this thing. It's Adam McKay, who has recently done don't look up and vice and you know that. Oh, okay. Um, but when the big short came out, there wasn't really anything like it. And it was kind of tackling, you know, kind of concurrent, uh, issues. It was, you know, around the, the, the housing crash and, and that kind of thing. And he, he did it in a way that was very, um, stylistic. It had, uh, you know, a lot of energy in the in the actual filmmaking of it, and so it was able to um, overcome a lot of the like boring things. But then after that, he just kept doing that with the rest of his movies. He just like mm. was very obnoxious with the stylized, you know, this stylization of the rest of his movies, and you know, kind of kind of fell apart. But for I, I wonder if I would be annoyed about it now if I rewatched it. Because it was like setting the trend of like annoying like cuts and cutaways and that kind of thing, um, breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Yeah. So I wonder if I would I be. Can imagine, I can imagine it now. Yeah. And I can already imagine that the social network is the best version of those movies. Probably. So. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Scorsese. I'm excited. I mean, it will be good to go back to Scorsese. Yeah. Get a little time. Get a little time with him. I agree. Um, I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. So we post every Tuesday if you enjoy the show. You can listen then. Until then, keep watching movies and have a great rest of your week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.